2: Hey friends, this was a really fun one. Today's guest is Eric Bazillion, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, arranger, producer, guitarist, and co-lead vocalist for the Philadelphia, Pennsylvania rock band, The Hooters. Eric and I dissect their breakout smash hit single, And We Danced, taken from their second album and major label debut from 1985, Nervous Night. These guys were truly ahead of their time. On the surface, to the casual listener, they may have just been another 80s pop band with keyboards, but this band was so much deeper than that. No one, and I mean no one, was starting off a hit single rock song in 1985 with a mandolin and melodica as the track's intro. Eric shares a fascinating story about writing the record with keyboardist and co-vocalist Rob Hyman. How the two of them packed up their guitars and headed for a geriatric resort in the Pocono Mountains, the thought being that there would be minimal distractions there. The results proved fruitful, as the pair wrote a ton of songs during their stay, and we danced being one of them. And this episode is also rare for the fact that this song wasn't written in five minutes or almost cut from the album, something we've heard many times here regarding hit songs. In fact, it was very much the opposite. This song was an absolute labor of love to get perfect. The verses of the songs weren't even written and recorded until the album was in the mixing stages. Talk about down to the wire. For all this and some other musical surprises from Eric, don't you dare go anywhere. Hey, hey, have you heard? Eric, my man, how we doing? Just great, thanks. How are you, Chris? I- I'm doing fantastic. I wanna, I wanna thank you for sitting in this podcast. Keeps. Uh, keeps tripping me out the the longer I do it I, I get to talk to people that uh, if you would have told me in 1985 I'd be talking to to someone from the Hooters, I would have lost my mind uh you you guys were the one of the bands that was the soundtrack to my youth I was telling Chris our producer before the show began that I the first song I heard from you uh, was was all you zombies
3: yeah he's just gonna break it
2: Which was played on 95 YNF out of Tampa, Florida. Mm -hmm. Heavy rotation. That was my introduction to the band. uh, That drove me out to buy the cassette uh, of Nervous Night.
4: Yeah, it's funny that that song has really proven to be sort of our the center of our signature of um, material. You know, and and We Danced was a much bigger hit in the United States. Yeah, Uh, Johnny B was our 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 big hit in Germany. Five hundred miles in Sweden. But they all have all you zombies in common. Even though it was, it was never really a charted single, it mm-hmm. seems to be a song that seeped into into the culture somehow.
2: Yeah, all you zombies. I mean, you know, you guys had your own unique sound, but zombies was just in its own league. Nothing sounded like that tune. Yeah. You know, you might be able to get "And We Danced" confused with another '80s keyboard song or something if you weren't if you were just a casual listener of the Hooters. But not all you zombies. That that was its own its own monster.
4: Yeah, I mean a lot of a lot of care went into the making of that record, you know, we that was actually the first song that we wrote for the Hooters. That is the oldest surviving Hooters song. January 1980 we wrote that.
3: Yeah,
2: and I know that there was a version on the first record,
4: Amore. Yeah, actually there was <laughs> we did a demo of it first uh, in probably in in 80, a studio demo. Then we did a, a live radio broadcast from WNMR in Philadelphia and we played mm-hmm. that song and they started playing the live recording like in heavy rotation so that was our second single
2: well, the trajectory of you guys when you started in 80 and what happened to you and talking about MMR we're gonna uh get into this now you know you've had w- one heck of a career and I'd like to share some of the highlights with the listeners right now uh the Hooters were formed by Eric and Rob Hyman in 1980 in the early 80s the Hooters played in the Philly club scene boosted by airplay on WMMR which uh Eric just mentioned the major rock radio station in Philly. They became a huge success all throughout the East Coast. In 1982, they opened for one of The Who's farewell tour shows at JFK Stadium in Philly on a bill that also included The Clash and Santana, which we'll talk about that, and that's just fascinating. You weren't even a uh, on a major label. You got that gig. It just goes to show you uh, the the groundswell that was happening for the band. In 1983, the band released their first album, Amore, on independent label Antenna and sold over 100,000 copies. That same year, Eric and Rob were asked to write, arrange, and perform on the debut album of then unknown singer Cindy Lauper's album, She's So Unusual, which is being produced by their producer and friend, Rick Shertoff in july of 1984 the hooters signed to columbia in 85 the debut album nervous night achieved platinum status selling over two million copies and included the songs day by day which reached number 18 and and we dance the song we're going to talk about today which reached number 21. Uh, rolling stone named the hooters the best new band of the year the Nervous Night album was produced by Rick Sheratoff, whose credits include the after Cindy Cyndi Lauper, as well as Sophie B. Hawkins' Damn, I Wish I Was Your Lover. In July 85, the Hooters were the opening band at the Philadelphia Live Aid Benefit Concert, gaining international recognition for the first time. In September of 1986, the Hooters appeared on the MTV Video Music Awards, where they were nominated in the category of Best New Artist in a video for And We Danced. The band experienced commercial success in Europe in 1987 after heavy airplay of satellite from the album One Way Home. In the 90s, the band's popularity overseas, especially in Europe, reached new heights. In 1993, the band released their MCA Records debut, Out of Body, which found a large audience in Europe, especially in Sweden and Germany, where Boys Will Be Boys, featuring Cyndi Lauper, became a huge hit. Since 2001, the band has reunited and played several shows and short tours. They've also recorded new albums, such as Time Stand Still, which was released in September of 2007. Eric has become recognized internationally for being a songwriter, session musician, arranger, and producer for many artists. In 1995, he played all those roles for Joan Osborne's major label debut album, Relish, which was nominated for six Grammys, including Song of the Year for One of Us, which Eric wrote. To date, Eric has released four solo albums. So you have been uh, a little busy, <laughs> and it was awesome when we were going back and forth setting this up. You know, we we had asked if if we could do "And We Dance," and you said, "Well, don't you want to do one of us?" That's like my biggest hit. I had no idea you wrote that. Ah. Congratulations! Well, so thanks. cool. And Rick Schroeder produced that. Uh, oh, Rick! Rick did that too. Yes, that's yeah, that's just sure. amazing that uh, that I didn't know about that and which is an amazing song, that song is awesome. talk about this a lot on the show, as you know, we have those memories that are attached to songs and, and we dance takes me right back to just being that kid and, you know, driving around in mom and dad's car, listening to the the Nervous Night album. So take us back to writing for for the record. And do you remember writing and we danced? I, I actually have
4: very clear memories of that. Yeah. That, you know, they say that the best songs write themselves. Yeah. That one did not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That okay. was a, that was a labor of love. So, you know, as you mentioned, we got signed in in, in 84 and um, we started um, uh, lightening our our touring load at that point to to get ready for the album. You know, we had a lot of songs written, but we knew we we really needed a a new a new batch. Um, you know, the band had been very ska and reggae oriented when we when we first started. I mean we wanted to keep those elements but we just felt as though we were evolving into something different you know especially with the addition of, of a mandolin I started playing mandolin and thought that might be a, a nice little uh, element to to try on, on the record so Rob and I went away to to write to get away from the, you know home distractions sure we went to a a, a, a pretty much a geriatric resort in the Poconos <laughs> and we, we were 50 years younger than anyone else there um which was great <laughs> the food was fine and um I, I set up my uh, my my four track cassette recorder my my Tascam Porta studio which was sort of the go-to thing then
2: absolutely and
4: my 808 drum machine because I couldn't afford a Lynn drum which was ah that was the one that sampled real drums the 808 well, now you know, that hip hop is based on the 808 drum. Yeah.
2: And then everyone was using the Lynn drums. I mean, Def Leppard, all the, a lot of the big rock bands,
4: but um, I could only afford an 808 and it got the job done. So we, we set up uh, in the, you know, in a a cabin and we spent the week really just sort of free associating, just throwing a bunch of ideas at at the wall, trying all kinds of, all kinds of wacky, wacky ideas and actually sampling, like the dialogue from the TV, um, and, and making little tracks around that. Our last night there, we went to see the house band they they had, they had a band there and and the band was, they were amazing. I mean, the, the bass player, I don't think was playing the same songs as the band at any time, you know, the singer always had to go for that, you know, the big note at the end. I mean, it was, it was classic, you know, resort cheese, cheese ball. And it was great. We we go see them every night, just for the fun of it. And um, on our way back to the cabin, we are walking, and we talked about maybe we should try writing a song just from a melody. Because usually we write, you know, we start with it with a riff, a guitar riff, a keyboard riff, mm-hmm. a chord progression. Let's just do a melody, okay? So I have this thing about melodies. There there are three kinds of melodies. There are melodies that start on the downbeat, like yesterday. You have melodies that start ahead of the beat oh yeah i'll tell you something mm-hmm. or that start after the beat nothing you can do that can't be done interesting i'm giving you three beat examples of beating <laughs> songs, but really what yeah. else is there and i've always been partial to melodies that go into the downbeat that start before the band because then the singer is telling the band what to play rather than the opposite and it's interesting now a lot of the pop songs today start after the downbeat, because they're written by top liners—people who will get a track, and you know they'll hear the hear the chord and go, "Okay, I'm, this is what I'm going to sing," as opposed to the to the music being melody-driven.
2: That's so interesting. I'm happy you brought that up because I can hear that now. And we dance. Boom. Yep. <laughs> That's so, awesome. So those three notes. Da da da. Okay. Da da da
4: da 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 da. Okay. What next? Da da da. We just fashioned that whole melody in a five minute walk. And then I don't remember which one of us said the, the words and we danced but one of us said it and it was like yep that's going to start the chorus. So we got back to we got back to the cabin and um, we made a little demo and it was very different from what you, you know what we know as and we danced. It had sort of like a 808 calypso beat and I played it on mandolin and Rob played it on a Something on on his uh, his uh, keyboard, and we had the verse and we had the bridge, the uh, the endless beat, da 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 here the music baby yeah, and the verses were completely different. So when we returned from our trip and we played our our body of work for for Rick, I could see him sort of squirming. You know, as we went from track to track, you know, we go oh, that part's interesting. Oh, okay, yeah, we might be able to find something in there. And then the last thing we played was "Then We Danced," and I could just see this huge relief come over him. He was like, "Okay, now we can do some business." Nice, nice. You know, so at the time, you know, with the Hooters in the early days of the Hooters, I've sort of made a conscious sacrifice of my my guitar shredding ways because in the band that Rob and I had before the Hooters, Baby Grand, it was sort of a prog steely dan on steroids thing and i I was hoping to get paid by the note
2: (laughs) that doesn't always happen
4: you know, technically very advanced and some might even say accomplished. But with the Hooters, I decided we're going to put the song first. Any sounds that we make need to be interesting and unique. So I wasn't really doing the rock guitar thing so much, which was a huge sacrifice for me because that's really what I come from. But uh, one day in our one of our, our pre-production rehearsals with me and Rob and Rick, Rob just put up a rock beat on his little Casio. Boom, tap, boom, boom, tap. And I remember, and I started fiddling around with the guitar, and I remember Rick Chernoff saying to me, "Eric, do you think you could turn that guitar up and make it sound like Eric?" <laughs> so okay, and then you know the the guitar riffs came out. You know the verse riff, the verse riff, which I'm very proud of. It's that's a it's a bear to play. It's a, you know, it's a, it's this weird arpeggiated riff which starts with a suspended D over an A, and I, I won't bore you with the details. She
3: was a-
2: I know it's hard to sing and play that at the same time. I tried. (laughs) I do it every night. It's tough.
4: It's actually easier to sing it if I'm playing it and easier to play it if I'm singing it. (laughs) So we did a demo of that. And then that's when I remember when we got to the bridge, which goes to that B minor, E sus, E, A with a third in the bass, D. I had this idea, I said, why don't we use that chord progression for the intro and I'm gonna play it on the mandolin. Awesome. So that I can grab my mandolin if you'd
2: like. I would love that. Let me grab that, hold on. Absolutely, awesome. Okay. Oh, it's right behind me here. We don't even have to edit this, it's just right behind him, this is perfect. No edits. What's that? I was just uh, saying to listeners, I said, we don't even have to edit this, the mandolin's right behind him. I, to, I always keep a mandolin handy.
4: i hope it's in tune so so i literally picked it up and i went how about something like this and um everybody went yeah and then came the um the the, i i I don't have a a melodica here my melodic is out in the studio but then they came out and Thus was Hooterization born.
2: Man, you, I got full body goosebumps right now, man. That is so cool. Thank you for sharing that. When you started sure. strumming that mandolin, man, that was just, it hit me right, right in the heart, man. Thank you for sharing that. That was, and and who the hell else was starting a song with a mandolin and a melodica? Who exactly? Yeah, I mean, you know, a few, you know, um,
4: REM tried it with the mandolin. <laughs> Yeah. years later that
2: was that was uh yeah i think 91 i was a num- number of years after you but uh, yep. but yeah you know something you mentioned that i don't think anybody and maybe maybe non-musicians might have a hard time wrapping their head around this one even some musicians it's so hard to be a player that can rip on the guitar and be an advanced musician or into prog to dumb it down and go i'm just gonna write a simple pop song that's very difficult to do. It's easier to go the other way. Go, yeah, I kind of know this pop stuff. I'm going to try to be an accomplished player. Right.
4: And of course, there's nothing easy or simple about how we dance. Yeah. You know, I've seen cover bands try to do it and butcher it's, it. It's yeah. I mean, every, you know, even, you know, the bass part, which I, which I played on there, to me, it was intuitive, but it, you know, most bass, bass parts, you know, they'll land on the downbeat, it would be bomb, 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 bomb. But for me, it's bomb. Boom! 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 Ba! 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 You know, I'm, so I'm, the the chord changes are landing before the beat, and the bass is doing that. But then it's also doing the downbeat, so it's with the so it's with the kick drum. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know, it's very melodic. It's got that. Um, hold on, I'll show you. Yes, I'll show you on the very bass with which it was recorded.
2: Oh, that is too cool. For, for the listeners right now, I'm I'm, I'm <laughs> seeing what appears to be a kitchen, a phone hanging on the wall, and, and Eric just walked into a bedroom and grabbed a bass. Here he comes. Okay, so it's so the the uh, the chorus. Can you hear it? I can. So the chorus goes.
4: it's very melodic yes yes you know it's not just playing the playing the chord so again you've got this fabric this interwoven fabric of of musical parts that are
2: you know doing this Making this beautiful soup. Well, I mean, and you, you mentioned the Beatles earlier. Huh? I, I just I love songs that if you strip away everything and just listen and zone in on the bass, that the bass is its own tune. And this song has that. I, I had that written, my, written here. I was going to discuss it with you. That the bass line is its own little animal.
4: Yep, and the, you know the devil really is in the details with that. Yeah, you've mm-hmm. got to get it right. If, if if one if one note is wrong, the whole Thing falls apart.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, and that bass just keeps it moving. Well, I, I, I want to jump into to, to the song right now. You know, th- three minutes and 48 seconds long, perfect timing for like pop radio, just right there. The first 12 seconds of the tune are the mandolin and the melodica. Again, who was putting those two instruments together? It just had its own sound. When this came on, I mean, you know, I went and watched the live videos. The minute that happens, the audience loses their mind. They they know what's coming, it's the hit, you know. At 13 seconds, there is a spirited vocal, the first we hear in the song of a like a wow that comes in. Yep. And the band kicks in with guitars, bass drums, and keyboards for three measures. The whole band. <laughs> It stops at the end of this to just a single guitar playing the three notes. Okay, hold on. Yes, he's he's, he's going to grab the guitar now, I think. Now you're going to tell me this is the original guitar from the recording. No, well, that's
4: out in the studio. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is the, the acoustic I played on the Joan Osborne record, though. Um, that's killer. So cool. You know, Rob and I did a gig last night, uh, yesterday. Was it yesterday? No, Monday and Tuesday with Cindy. with Cindy Lauper in New York. Oh, that's... This is why my uh, acoustic instruments happen to be in the house and not in the studio. And the bass is in the house because at two o'clock this morning I just hadn't had an idea and recorded something and I want I didn't feel like going out to the studio so I just did it in the kitchen
2: um, with my laptop. But uh, so you're talking about those those three notes from "And We Dance." Yes, that happens one more time in the song, and we'll get to that. That little hook with again, you said the devil in the details. That little thing right there. That hook, it's three notes, but it just. It, it makes the verse what it is. I mean, it's funny. I, I I have a very vivid memory of coming up with with all the
4: guitar parts.
2: Yeah, on that. And um, do you recall if those three single notes were in the demo, or, or was that something that you did in the studio, or or Rick the producer or Rob suggested? Um,
4: that I suggested that it was my idea to have a bar of six, a bar of six beats. Um, and and those notes. Yeah, you know, other other musicians, producers might have go might have might have looked askance at that. You can't have a bar of six, but yes, you can.
2: I love that it, it's six and I love that it goes to the three noter and then you're in the first first. It it's it 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 should be jarring, but it's not. But it yep. but it's not traditional. It, it's not boring well, at four. It's not too little at two. It's 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 perfect. Right,
4: right. And then you know Burt Backrack, one of the greatest pop songwriters of all time, the time signatures in some of his songs are insane.
0: The moment I wake up, before I put on my makeup, I say a little prayer for you. Oh, i in my hand
4: now. And one Every day morning I wake, wake up, up. Da, 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 da. I say a little prayer for you. You know, I think that was a bar of seven.
2: Yeah, I've I've always loved that non-traditional songwriting and and wish I could do more of it. When I when I try to do it, it seems forced. There's again, those three notes that you have coming there at the end of that, that kind of transitions you there, you know? Yep. It may have felt jarring without that. She was a
3: beast.
2: Don't really know what this means. I want you to set this up. She was a bebop baby on a hard day's night. She was hanging on Johnny. He was holding on tight. Oh, I could feel her coming from a mile away. There was no use talking. There was nothing to say when the band began to play and play. You know, I noticed the Johnny reference in here. Of course, you had a a big hit with Johnny B. uh, I believe on the was that on the next record, One Way Home. Wow. Is it the same Johnny? Um,
4: could be. <laughs> it, it might be the same Johnny as Johnny B. Good,
2: for it all might. we know. Okay, okay. So There's set- a lot of Johnny in rock and roll. Uh, this first verse kind of breaks down a guitar's uh, bass and drums. Not a breakdown, but um, kind of gets smaller than than the intro with all the keyboards and everything. The clean overdriven guitar here, it sounds like a strat to me in the verses. We really worked on a guitar sound for that. Um, it's awesome. And we
4: have a very, very consistent rhythm guitar sound. That was a a nineteen sixty Les Paul Junior, ah, which is aside from one overdub on "And We Danced," um, the only guitar played on that album. No kidding. And the uh, the the amp setup for for the rhythm guitars, I, rather than than double tracking, which I'm really good at, but I I've, we wanted to try not having to do that. So so Bill Whitman, who who engineered the record, the brilliant William Whitman, who also engineered Cindy Joan produced the outfield, their, their hits. Um, Oh, that's great. Love their records too. He brought in a, um, uh, it was an Ibanez dual chorus pedal. And I happened to have two, two Marshalls. I had the one was a 50, one was a hundred, but they were the same model, the same kind of circuitry. Just one had four output tubes and one had two. So we tried running the two amps in stereo. And I found that um if i if i plugged the guitar into the low gain input and cranked the amp it got a a crunch just on the edge of crunch but not distortion Mm -hmm. um and i found that if i if i tweaked the levels the level and tone on the guitar like if i went from 10 to eight and a half and the tone just down to nine it would it was a subtle but audible difference so um that was sort of that. That was my toolbox for that whole record. And and honestly, that junior,
2: that's still the go-to
4: guitar for 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 Hooters recording. And I play that guitar live.
2: Yeah, that I, I saw you you play that guitar live, and that's so cool. Again, um, I. Got the Marshall part right, but uh, I thought that was a Strat. That's really that's really cool. That it was a uh, Les Paul Junior.
4: In my hands, a Les Paul Junior sounds like a really good Telecaster.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. Okay. Yeah, the, the 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 Strat's cousin. What's going on with these uh, with these lyrics here? Where 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 were you coming from? What were, what were you saying here? Okay,
4: so we 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 started the song in sometime in the summer of '84. We cut the track in October of '84. Cut the you know with with the, the drums bass got the whole track sounding amazing, recorded the chorus, recorded the bridge, didn't have any verses. We kept trying verses. Verse after verse after verse, nothing stuck. And finally, we were mixing the album and we had all these songs that didn't have any vocals, didn't have any (laughs) verse vocals. Hey,
1: don't go anywhere. Krista makes a podcast. will be right back after a few words from our sponsors. Hello, it is Ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This week on the After Party Podcast, we dive into some of the most iconic synth riffs of the 80s. You know, what I thought was pretty funny about this is that this song you said 1984 this song came out right yeah but Mm -hmm. eddie wrote that synth line in 1981 but the rest of the band was like no way but then it was years later that that it came back around
2: yeah david lee roth didn't want anything to do with this song initially but uh you know it became arguably one of their biggest uh, songs ever and again without that keyboard line uh and and i've seen cover bands try to try to do it with a guitar it just doesn't work yeah
1: hey in case you're interested, Chris, in case you're uh, going through your plugins and you really like that sound, the keyboard used on this is an Oberheim OB-XA, and uh, Daryl Hall is quoted as once saying that Eddie told him that he copied the synth part from Kiss on My List and used it in Jump. But Daryl said, I don't have a problem with that at all. Daryl Hall's always seemed like the really cool guy in the Hall
2: Notes. <laughs> nice. You're digging up some, some cool little history here, little facts. I've never heard of that either. Yeah, did
1: you? If you'd like to hear this whole episode, plus a huge back catalog of episodes of The After Party, head over to chrisdemakes.com and sign up for our supporting cast program. And now, on with the show.
4: We were recording in New York at, at the record plant and we weren't allowed to go home weekends. At this point, we had to
2: isolate and write the damn songs. Well, talk about your back against the wall. You're in the mixing stages at this point.
4: Yeah. 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 I mean, we're we're, we're going uptown to, to Atlantic Studios where Bill's mixing. And then we're coming back to the record plant in Midtown where uh, we're John Yellow's engineering. Um, so it was a Saturday. And what we did was. Rather than having to have the whole team come in, we just—I just took um, stereo bounces of the track and put them on my on my four track, my trusty, uh, you know, Tascam two forty four. Yeah. and we would sit there with a with an SM fifty seven, and try different ideas. And it, you know, uh, I, I think Rob had gone up to, to to go to the bathroom or take a phone call or something, and I heard I heard the voice of Robert Palmer of all people in my head. It, I think the song is called John and Mary
3: says he's willing
4: to learn when he decides he's a fool. Johnny says he'll live anywhere when he owns time to. Here he comes ahead. And he's singing in octaves. Something along those lines. And I just heard the line. In that octave. So before Rob came back. I I recorded da and Yeah. He came in, put the headphones on, and he said, "Yep, we let's work with that." So, the bebop baby just the the, the words literally just came out. Yeah. Um, we had we had no idea what they're about. Uh, they're they're not based on personal experience, I don't think. I mean, looking at the song from as, as an observer. I guess, you know, the first verse is about, it's a narrator talking about a guy named Johnny who sees this girl who is referred to as a bebop baby Mm -hmm. on a hard day's night, meaning in this case, I guess, you know, after work. And um, she's with another guy named Johnny. Johnny is not the, is not the protagonist. Yes. Okay. She was hanging on Johnny. He was holding on tight, so Johnny was holding on tight to her because he didn't want to let her get away because he knew that she was way out of his league. Then it switches, and it's funny because that's where my my vocal comes in. Rob sings the first two lines, Mm -hmm. which was just coincidence. Then I come in, I could feel her coming from a mile away. There was no use. So obviously I, the protagonist of the song, is taken by this girl and
2: is determined to get her away from Johnny so should we go to the second verse i I want to go to chorus one well we're going to go in chronological order but i do want to talk about the last three lines here the harmonies that come in and the harmonies are great they are they are so i'll use the word subtle They're not overbearing. They're they're just kind of there, but man, that makes the part. And I always loved the dual vocal thing you and Rob had going on. I think that was so interesting and such an integral part to your sound. Yeah,
4: well, you know, to, to to find someone that you have a, a vocal blend like that with is is magical.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I hope I I hope we don't don't lose your train of thought in the second verse. We are going to get there, but I wanna I want to get into chorus one as we go chronologically here. It's at the sweet spot, one minute into the song exactly. You're in the chorus. The chord progression from the top of the song, the chorus with the guitar, bass, drums, keys, the hook. Here, you're 30 seconds later from that. You're, the first verse was however long, and now you're hearing it again, but with the vocal.
3: And we danced, like a wave on the ocean, romanced. We were liars in love, and we danced.
2: And we danced, like a wave on the ocean, romanced. We were liars in love, and we danced swept away for a moment by chance, and we danced and danced and danced, harmonies on all four lines. Killer. Where'd that that lyric come? You got that from the, the up in the Poconos? Was that something you referenced up there? That was from the first
4: night, yep. That was just words. Again, it was words that sounded good and seemed to make sense. Oh,
2: man. Do you know how many people try to write stories like this in songs that just it, it, it's uh it's an art form and it, it's just something I love when I get someone on here that says what you said, Oh yeah, this wasn't about an ex-girlfriend or my heart broken. This was just some words we put down.
4: You know, most of the songs that, that, that we write, certainly that I write are based on something deeply personal. Yeah. And you know, a lot of my songwriting is, is very therapeutic. Sure. You know, I, I learn, I learn things about myself that I didn't know before.
2: That's a trip. I've never had anybody say that uh, on the show after a year and a half. And I've never had any, I've never thought of it in those terms, but that was, that's really profound what you said there. You don't even realize the self therapy you're getting sometimes. I've
4: had songs come out that have kind of scared me. Uh huh. um, You know, that I haven't listened to since.
2: Where the heck did this come from?
4: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it gives one, you know, pause to think and then I tell my therapist about it. (laughs) Um, now, 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 see, this is interesting because an interesting situation, because Rob and I, Hooter songs traditionally are songs that we write together. So it needs to be a shared perspective. We never really went the Lennon and McCartney route where, you know, Paul would bring in songs, John would bring in songs. It just, mm-hmm. you know, I write, I write plenty of songs on my own and occasionally they become Hooter songs if it feels like, so. and we both know when it's, when it's right, when it's something that, that feels like a Hooter song. It could be the greatest song in the world. I mean, you know, One of Us, great song, not really a Hooters song. Time after Time, which Rob wrote, great song. And even though we play it in the Hooters and we've recorded it with the Hooters, it's not really a Hooters song.
2: Yeah, that's uh, that that band dynamic, that thing that you guys have together. It's it, it, it's a special thing. Verse two, and I want to continue with your, your thoughts on verse one because it's really really interesting the uh, the protagonist antagonist uh, dynamic here. Yeah,
3: it's down to my feet.
2: I met my bebop baby at the Union Hall. She could dance all night and shake the paint off the wall. But when I saw her smile across a crowded room, yeah. Well, I knew we'd have to leave the party soon as the band began to play out of tune. I'm assuming you're referencing that horrible <laughs> uh, resort band. You see, I had never thought of that. I would
4: never in a million years have thought of that. Thank you. See, I'm still learning about this song 36 <laughs> years later.
2: That's awesome.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Again, as I've never really analyzed the song before, so this is a great opportunity for me as well. Oh, thank as you. As an observer, I guess it's about, you know it's about getting lost in the moment. Yeah. Literally yes. swept away, swept away by the moment uh, for uh, for swept away for the moment by chance. Um, you know, it's it, this encounter, this unexpected encounter with this person. And, and, you know, seeing her across the crowded room. Union Hall, probably there was a little bit of Springsteen in that. Cause, you know, he liked, he liked imagery like that. And, you know, I was, a, I was a big fan, I mean, I'm still a big fan, but, I, you know, I, I, I listened to a lot of Bruce back in the day.
2: I love Bruce and I hear a, a very spirited Bruce uh, yeah, ah, uh, oh, at the end of this song. You or, or Rob lets out, I'm not sure who did it, but I'm like, wow, that kind of sound, sounds like Bruce there. Honestly, that's one song I would love to hear Bruce sing. Yeah, that'd be really cool. He would nail that. Maybe you have to present it to him, that's really cool. I'd love to, I'd love to hear him, him sing that. Again, I wanna talk about these harmonies in the last three lines here, the second mm-hmm. verse. I love on the line, but when I saw her smile across a crowded room, there's harmonies on all of, all of that, except you do this little yeah at the end yeah. there. no harmony on the yeah it just makes it personal
4: rick or bill someone in the control room said hey can you put a little something in there oh. and i said yeah i got it and so i i got to do
2: the yeah that's cool that's cool well we go right into uh into chorus two <laughs> much the same as chorus one uh, at least the first half and we danced like a wave on the ocean romanced we were liars in love and we danced swept away for a moment by chance and we danced and danced and danced and then the chorus continues for two more measures halfway through measure one there's a yeah and at the start of measure two there's just one and we danced and then very briefly the melodica comes back in for like yeah. a half a measure. It's really weird there. Whose idea was that? How'd that come about? It's really neat. Well, again, the, the melodica and mandolin idea
4: came, was my idea to play the intro changes, to play that melody over the intro, not the intro, I'm sorry, the bridge, the bridge changes. Right. The bridge came from the Poconos. Ah, okay. Um, I think and even, even lyrically, I think originally it might've been the endless beach that something else but then but the, the end was definitely the room is spinning. she whispers my name okay yeah so again we're kind of that's really where it started was playing that melody over the bridge changes
2: well i love that the second half of the chorus the, it, it stops with with most of the of the lyrics it's just musically but it just it feels so good that you don't even need the lyrics there and like these little yeah and then you have the one and we danced melodica briefly comes in and then you get hit with the three note guitar arpeggio. It happens again here like before verse one, the only other time in the song it happens. So perfectly placed. Was it there on like the demos or was that like, hey, you know what, we should put that, that, that thing from the top of the song back in here.
4: By the time we got, we got into tracking the album, it was there. By the time we got, we got into tracking, we had the entire arrangement. All the guitar parts, all the keyboard parts were mapped out bass parts, what, even, you know, what we wanted on the drums.
2: It's so simple. We're talking about six notes. Uh, three of the notes are the same. That's the same part, just in different spots. But I can't imagine this song without that, that little hook. Yep.
4: And that is, you know, that instrumental bridge, uh, bridge, the instrumental chorus before the bridge, you know, is, is where, you know, Rob gets to shine with that elegantly simple genius keyboard riff.
2: Yes. Yeah, we're we
4: we're, you know we we add the bells there.
2: Ah, uh, the, the, I mean the keyboard riff is just it's so perfect, it's so 80s. It, but but and I say that with all my heart. It's so good, it's so perfect. Uh, the start of the bridge is basically the reintro for two measures. You got the mandolin and the melodica, but the bass is there with a single note guitar mimicking the mandolin. I love that. Yeah. And and uh, the breakdown there is it, it breaks down drum wise to just a kick and a hi hat during that part. Yep. The single note guitar mimicking the mandolin, was that a demo idea or was that something that uh, you're like, you know, Rick or someone said, hey, you should you should chase that, uh, chase that mandolin with a guitar.
4: I think I just played that naturally while we were
2: tracking it. It's kind of like, where's the guitar player go? During, during this part. <laughs> yeah, is he gonna strum chords? You already got the mandolin doing that. Yep, and it plays great. That's a great. Neck bend. Yeah. Yeah. As you said, what, what the hell is the guitar going to hear? Oh, it's going to do this.
4: <laughs> and then it, and then it continues, you know, it answers the vocal, you know, yes. the endless beat. She's walking my way.
2: Yes. That is awesome. Well, the second half of the bridge, uh, the drums now kick in. The melodica drops out.
3: The endless beat. She's walking my way. Hear the music fade when she says, Are we getting too close?
2: The endless beat. She's walking my way. Hear the music fade when she says, Are we getting too close? do we dare to get closer the room is spinning as she whispers my name the harmonies on here come in on the third line just on the back half of it we dare to get closer and then on the last line the room is spinning as she whispers my name love the harmonies there the harmonies more than anything intrigue me i think because of placement and every band's different you're like why here why weren't there harmonies on the first two lines? I could see them being there, you know, but uh perfect. Do you did you have most of these harmonies, do you recall, mapped out prior to the yep. studio? You did. Yep. You did. We absolutely
4: did. I mean, the thing is, Rob and I both want to sing all the time. <laughs> two alpha male singers. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I mean, I actually in our case, I think two beta ma- <laughs> two beta male singers, because <laughs> neither of us ever thought of ourselves as a singer before this band. Um, still still have trouble wrapping my head around it sometimes
2: i I get paid to do this what
4: (laughs) but um um yeah we we had all that all that mapped out it's interesting now so so the, the bridge lyrically again looking at it as an observer yeah this is the denouement of the drama they've they're together they've left the party and she's she's hesitant she's not sure about it you know do, do we dare to? Do we dare to get closer? But then she whispers his name, and the room begins to spin. Mm-hmm. So I had the feeling it goes down.
2: Yeah, well, uh, and of course it was the eighties. The room could have been spinning because he hit, maybe he was hitting the punch ball a little too much. Right. <laughs> again, I love that you're you're talking about this in terms of because again these were just. A story that you were jotting down this wasn't personal experience but now you're looking through the looking into the glass uh, bowl here and going yeah you know what the room's spinning she whispers his name and, and and you know everything everything's kind of coming alive for this guy
4: i mean it really is a universal story uh, for any gender or, or any persuasion but you know you you go someplace you see somebody you like they're with somebody else hmm maybe they're not so into that person i'm gonna make a move and and it works
2: well, the, the last chorus, Chorus 3, uh, it's a double chorus lyrically before it starts to fade out. Dance like the wave on the ocean romanced. We were liars in love and we danced. Swept away for a moment by chance. Yeah, we danced and danced and danced. And the yeah there instead of and. I like that, that subtle change. It was a yeah there. Uh, it continues on. And we danced like the wave on the ocean romanced. We were liars in love and we danced. On that line right there, second half of the chorus, we were liars in love and we danced. The harmony changes there.
3: We were liars in love and we danced.
2: Yes, that's killer. I, I'm assuming I, I you had it mapped out. You you knew you wanted to do that there. I
4: think so. I, I think so, and I honestly don't know which one of us that
2: was on the record. I know now I I'm the one that does that live. You know what I love about doing this podcast? It's just so exciting to me. Is I, I I've probably heard this song Eric uh, a thousand times over the years. You still hear it at the grocery store everywhere you go. But I'm 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 deconstructing the song, and that part comes up like. Why does this sound different? I got to go back to the other chorus. i like, ah, the harmony change. Just that little harmony there.
4: Yes, you're, you're, you're a completist. <laughs> I,
2: well, yeah, to, to a fault. <laughs>
4: yeah, no, that's cool. <laughs>
2: um, I, I, I love that. It continues on, swept away for a moment by chance. And we danced and danced. You say danced nine times. Yeah. And then there's an oh, woo, and we danced. And we danced, oh. And then there's an ah. Uh, uh, and we danced with a come on baby that you say yeah, Rob's the come on baby Rob's the come on baby he's the ah uh, on the ooh yeah, okay uh then we keep going and around this time the song it's a slow fade for about 46 47 seconds it's a very subtle at the beginning of that fade uh a great fade out and again it happens uh, again and we dance nine more times with a hey and then the yeah, ah, uh, oh, which I think that was where it's, it sounded a little Springsteen. there. I'm like, ah, it's a little a tip of the hat to Bruce. And we danced. And then there's also in between all of this as we're fading out. And the last thing you hear in the song uh, is and we danced, which is which is great, it's the title of the tune, but there's this cool little guitar run that happens twice in the fade out. It's this little six noter. Dan, it's a little run.
4: You mean the uh, the run that happens at the end of every every chorus? The...
2: Correct, but it's really pronounced on the fade out. Yeah. The two Actually, times that
4: happens—that happens. happens in the middle of every chorus, and the bass also plays it.
2: You're right. You're right. But the vocals are there now. I'm really hearing it at the end when everything is is, is sparse uh, and the vocals are coming in and out. But That's just such a killer, uh, again, another hook in an already insanely hooky song. Can, Can you take us back, Eric... To because again, I mean it's amazing. I talked at the top of the show here about you guys opening for the Who at JFK Stadium in '82. You you didn't even have your first independent record out. Here you put a record out. It sells a hundred thousand copies. This is pre-internet. This is crazy what happened to you guys. It just I think it it shows the the depth of talent that you had, but you hadn't had a hit up to this point. And now I mean of course time after time with Cindy and, and Rick you were starting to taste it but this was your first your first thing the nervous night the first hit record yep did you know the song was a hit when you're hearing the playback of the mixes for the first time did it hit you like holy crap we have something here
4: oh yeah absolutely yeah i think we knew we knew early on that 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 if that if we could write some verses we could have a hit song
2: <laughs> Um, I'm not gonna lie. You've inspired me to to grab my bass player and head up to the Poconos. I don't know if we'd end up killing each other after three days or come up come up with a batch of great songs. But that's a that's an interesting uh, interesting story that you you guys decided to take off together and and go do that, and and it resulted in 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 some great material.
4: We've done that a bunch. In fact, we're we are trying to figure out a way to do that again, because as time goes on, it gets harder and harder to work at home, even though. You know i've got a studio in my backyard rob's got like a, a real studio but you know you've got families you've got friends you've got stuff going on I mean, you know you really do need to get in, into a space where you can clear your head
2: yeah leave, leave the cell phone in the other room and get down to business
4: yeah i mean we wrote johnny b in west virginia and a cabin in west virginia we wrote satellite actually that we wrote in our rehearsal studio in philadelphia private emotion which was on, on uh, out of body never did much for us, but it was a pretty significant hit for Ricky Martin, we wrote in Antigua.
2: That's that's incredible. Well, uh, listen, Eric, we're, we're going to wrap up here. I want to thank you so much. You know, I, I had thought of you and and Chris, my producer, he went online, immediately found an email address for you. It was within that same day you wrote him back and said, I'd love to come on the show. I was, I was doing backflips. I was just ecstatic. Thank you so much. Uh, for being part of the, the soundtrack of my youth and uh, still soundtrack of my life. Right now, I'd like you to you know, let the listeners know what, what you got going on Is uh, before we uh, head off here.
4: The Hooters are still very active. Uh, generally, we tour Germany every summer for a month or two. 2020, we would have done our 40th anniversary tour, but we all know what happened to that year. And we were hoping that it would be 2021, but uh, that didn't work out. So now it's scheduled for, for next summer. Uh, summer '22, and we end up in Stockholm, which is my other home. I li- I live between Philadelphia and Stockholm, Sweden.
2: That is so. That's so awesome. And of course, you uh, had had a huge hit in Sweden in '93 with uh, you know the the Out of Body record. So
4: that's yep. that's cool. and and 500 Miles was you know I think I mentioned earlier. That's our our most our most well known song in Sweden. My Aside from the band, actually, we just played a gig in Harrisburg, PA this weekend, and I do solo records. I put one out this year called Bazillion, honestly, because I couldn't think of a better title. And then when I realized that McCartney had called three albums McCartney, I thought, okay, why not? And that that record I recorded mostly in uh, my basement in in Stockholm with a laptop and one good mic and and one guitar and a, a mandola and... And uh, so a couple of really good drummers who, who were able to record themselves for me.
2: That's cool. Well, before we go, where, where can the listeners, uh, find, best place to find uh, Eric Bazillion online?
4: Well, you can go to ericbazillion.com, which is a landing pad, or you can just go on Spotify and pop, type in Eric Bazillion and you'll see my stuff
2: come up. Awesome, man. Well, again, from bottom of my heart, thank you so much for, for being on the show.
4: Thank you so much. I really, This was really, really a lot of fun. There's lots more
1: to makes a podcast after a few words from our sponsors.
0: Well, hey, friends. My name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more.
2: I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based
0: in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to The Show on the Road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon.
1: Do you enjoy the content and production of Krista Makes a Podcast? Do you have an idea for a podcast? or an existing podcast that you'd like to take to the next level well check out we dot at we dot we have over 25 years of combined experience in the pod field and we're ready to help you succeed in the golden era of podcasting
2: as we near the end of the show here's a band you might not know welcome to this week's band you might not know if you'd like your band to be considered for Krista makes a podcast all you have to do is email your song via mp3only and your bio to bandyoumightnotknow at gmail.com. This week's featured artist is The Fall Starts from Royal Oak, Michigan. The band is comprised of just one guy, multi-instrumentalist Dylan Foley. You can find their music on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Here's a snippet of their song, Nothing Ever Works. I can't, start
3: it. I can't take it. I got We're all just it. Just me
0: i fight my until the rap with chris and chris
1: oh man did i love that episode that was awesome man i came into this episode knowing and we danced of course you knew a lot more of the hooters catalog but then learning more about him and learning that he wrote one of us and learning his involvement in the cindy lopper she's so unusual album and just Listening to him talk about music, I just became such a huge Eric Bazilian fan.
2: Yeah, I'll uh, I'll echo that sentiment times 10. Out of nowhere, he goes, let me grab the mandolin. Oh, let me grab the bass that was actually playing in the recording. And he walks back into another room. I can see him walk off camera, uh, brings the acoustic out and starts jamming. Uh, What a wonderful, uh, wonderful person.
1: I really like Chris. That this went away from the norm of people coming on here and being like, ah, "I wrote that song in in five minutes." Where he, I thought he was gonna say that, but then he Me too. The script he flipped the script on us and was like, "This was not that. <laughs> this was a labor of love. They put a lot of thought and time into this song, down to not having the verses of the song." when the song is already did he say what, when the song was already basically in the mixing stage in
2: the they're in the mixing stages and they don't have verse lyrics or vocals on the verses yeah, and that's when he was fumbling with his four track. Uh, but the other story that I love—you got to remember this is mid '80s. Uh, a lot of people were partying their, their their tails off back then. These two guys decided to take off to a resort in the Poconos. That could have been disastrous for, <laughs> for for Ozzy and his band or somebody. Somehow they were able to get work done up there and have a story to tell about it that was hilarious. They're they're in the lounge seeing this horrible band every night, but they were having the time of their lives. I love that, and I do. Really believe in the going somewhere
1: and writing, getting yeah. away from the distractions of being at home, and going to a cabin, going to the Poconos, going to a cabin in West Virginia, like he like he cited, going to an island somewhere. Uh, I think that that is. It's very good for writing.
2: It is, and and the distractions now are, are more so than they've ever been with social media. Everyone's carrying around a cell phone with them. I, I mentioned that to Eric. Where um, I I don't I don't think it's uh, the worst idea to do that. Go to go write somewhere uh, and get away from it all.
1: I loved when he talked we haven't never had anyone talk about this and i've never even thought about this before but i loved that he talked about the three different types of melodies like the way that the melody yeah yeah that was really interesting man and he cited three different beatles songs that was so
2: cool exactly and then and then as soon as he started talking about that i went oh i get where he's going with this you know it's and we danced and then the then the beat hits you know right. the 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 lyric comes in before the before the downbeat of the chorus like wow i've never i've never thought about that either
1: yeah the melody is leading the way
2: yeah yeah he talked about the the bass in this song which we talked about which is just it's its own little piece of music within this grand scheme of a song of music it's so cool
1: you know that i appreciate the attention to detail on bass yeah of course so i really i really appreciated that i loved when he picked up the bass and started playing Yeah, that is awesome. That's very important. Love when a song doesn't just rely on the root notes. I'm a bassist. I'm a little partial to that. But even we've talked about this so many times, Chris, but even when you might not necessarily zone in on that bass line, if it's a badass bass line, it just takes the song to a whole nother level.
2: No, you know, and I've... (laughs) had some of my my friends, my heroes on this show, other musicians that I've met that I've become a huge fan of from being on the show, and, and you know this show's introduced me to their music. But I'll tell you, uh, Eric's kind of uh, uh, at the top of the list for someone that I'd like to write a song with. He's just, dude, th- this guy's magical.
1: Dude, I told you this off mic, but while you guys are recording this, I'm texting Steve from my band and being like, dude. We got to get Eric Bazilian (laughs) to produce Punchline. He's in Philly. Well, some of the time, I guess he goes between Sweden and Philly. But he's a Philly guy. And, you know, one-fourth of Punchline lives in Philly. Uh, Even if he produced a song, I just feel like he, just talking to him and knowing the music that he's worked on and made, I just feel like he'd be the perfect match for us. So, Well,
2: uh, yeah, and just just the little things of him. I say little. This is such an integral part of the the song. But that three-note thing we were talking about, the the detail in which he talked about those three notes. This guy knows what he's talking about. He does. He's just an amazing songwriter. Absolutely,
1: man. I love this episode. And I mean, I thought I was gonna like the episode. I like the song and everything, but I didn't know I was gonna love it this much. Man, I got so much respect for Eric Bazilian.
2: Yeah, I do too. I I man, when he got the mandolin out and he started strumming, that was the first instrument he 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 uh uh you know started started playing full body goosebumps I mean I've had it a couple times on the show but man that was a I had like an out-of-body experience again it took me right back I've said it before driving to the little league game with my dad I can smell my dad's cigar I'm right back in Port Charlotte Florida Herald Avenue at the little league fields listening to friggin and we danced it's unreal it sounded beautiful. I got it made me want to go get a mandolin.
1: <laughs> I got to learn how to play the mandolin.
2: Yeah, I, I can't uh, can't say enough about this one. I, I I I'm with you, Chris. I thought it was going to be good, but it uh, it turned out better than than I ever could imagine.
1: Yeah, man, and you know what turned out better than I would have ever imagined your new 7-inch.
2: Thank you, Chris. I really appreciate that. That's right. I got a brand new 7-inch record. This is the third one uh, in a series, 3 of 3, that uh, relates all back to the book, Blast from the Past, that I released in 2020. And this new 7-inch has two songs on it. Uh, one is called In Memoriam, and the other one is called Two Minutes to Bus Call. We played Two Minutes to Bus Call on last week's show, but uh, In Memoriam deals with all the people that I lost uh, on my journey through Less Than Jake and my musical career. and It's a song, In Memoriam, in uh, in, in tribute to everyone uh, that I lost. And this is not a pre-order right now. You can go to christamakesabook.com That'll redirect you to the SmartPunk Records site. All items are in hand. We got the 7-inch record. We got a shot glass. We got a back patch, all kinds of other uh, cool little merch items. So head over to christamakesabook.com to get yours. They'll ship right away. I want to thank this week's guest, Eric Bazillion, from the Hooters for stopping by. It was a lot of fun. And we're going to leave you with a song from The 7-Inch. This one's called In Memoriam.